podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for this Thursday episode. This is a good one. I really think you guys are going to like this. Brandon Phoenix, one half of the Raspy Voice Kids, joining us today to talk some West Virginia. We're talking hoops. We're talking about the amazing job that Bob Huggins has done ever since Oscar Sheboy decided to leave. Talking about what kind of team... Does West Virginia not want to have to face in March Madness if they want to make a run? And, of course, we're going to talk a little bit of West Virginia football. They've got their full 2021 schedule. Where's the most difficult stretch? What's the stretch that's going to define the season? So we've got all of that coming up. Also, our good friend Jamie Steyer joins us every Monday, along with Andy Mitz, had the opportunity to talk with Michelle Vopel of ESPN. Michelle put out her latest WNBA mock draft and had two Big 12 players in the top five. Jamie and Michelle discussed that, discussed the Big 12 season as a whole this year, and of course, the Baylor Bears. Fantastic interview. Michelle Vopel, if you've ever read anything about women's basketball on ESPN, there's a good chance she wrote it. She is amazing. It's a fantastic interview. Before we get to those, speaking of West Virginia, West Virginia, I, I had West Virginia fans coming at me on Twitter. I, I got to find out that West Virginia fans think that the Big 12 is out to get them which is insane, but that's not the point. They were mad because they were supposed to have a game against Baylor on Thursday night, a game at Baylor that got canceled. Oh, and Baylor's trying to avoid West Virginia. This is a Baylor team that tried to play Gonzaga. They're not trying to avoid West Virginia. It got canceled. The Big 12, they were just sure the Big 12 was going to screw them. And then the Big 12 put out their updated schedule that includes the postponed games, or as many of the postponed games as they could get made up. And no team benefited from this more than West Virginia, who gets to end the season with four straight home games. Kansas State, Baylor, TCU, and Oklahoma State. We'll talk about that with Brandon a little bit more. But as for Baylor, this is one of the reasons I wanted to make sure these postponed games got played. Baylor is the best team in the Big 12. They are winning the Big 12 regular season. There's nothing that's going to happen to stop that. That is just the case. They are the best team. It doesn't matter if they play a full 18-game slate. We know this is true. But they've played 10 conference games. It just doesn't sit well with me if they win the Big 12 playing barely half. Now, they've got four games left now. So they're only going to get to 14 of 18, but that's better than 10. It's better than the nine they had until earlier this week. So I will take that. And the Big 12 didn't really do them any major favors. They have to go to Kansas, they have to go to West Virginia, and then they end with Oklahoma State and Texas Tech at home. They could have made it easier. They could have given them the the TCU game at home. Nope, they didn't do that. Home for Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. They gave them two of the more challenging home games they had to make up. Road game at Kansas, which was already scheduled for Saturday. Road game at West Virginia. Hey, West Virginia fans, remember, you guys aren't getting screwed here. I understand Oklahoma State fans are upset. I've seen comments on Twitter, and I get it. OSU now has to end the season, or regular season, at Oklahoma on Saturday, Oklahoma on Monday, then road games at Baylor and West Virginia. Now look, it's more just luck of the draw or misfortune of the draw. The three games Oklahoma State had postponed were a home game against Oklahoma and road games at Baylor and West Virginia. That's what was going to have to get made up. 
You were going to have to have three road games in the Final Four. I don't love it. It's not ideal. But they're all quad one games for OSU. The team that has the biggest complaint is Texas. Thank goodness they got that huge win over Kansas earlier this week, becoming just the second team to ever sweep a Bill Self-led Kansas team in the regular season. Oklahoma State did it a couple of years ago. Kansas has played its last home game for the year. They go to Texas Tech, they go to Iowa State, they go to Oklahoma, they go to TCU before going to Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament and then going to Indianapolis for the NCAA championships. I, I don't care if that includes road games at lowly two-win Iowa State and TCU who's kind of floundering, who outside of sweeping Oklahoma State hasn't really done anything all that impressive this year. It's still four road games, including having to go all the way to Ames. I just, these games need to be made up. I wholeheartedly believe that. But I wish you could have made up some in Kansas City and not done it this way because that's not good for those student-athletes. That's not good for their health. Texas doesn't, it barely is going to be at home. At Tech, at Iowa State, at Oklahoma, at TCU, Kansas City, Indianapolis. It's an insane way to end the season. Insane. It's nuts, and I hate it. Uh, props to Kansas State for their big win over Oklahoma that was huge. Senior night. And yes, I saw the foul that didn't get called at the end of the game. OU trying to shoot the three. Didn't get it. Didn't get the foul call. Probably would have out, uh, affected the outcome of the game. Still, Kansas State, huge senior night win. I believe the stat I saw from ESPN, first time since like 1996, a team has lost to a Division II team and beat an AP Top 10 team in the same season. Last one was Wake Forest. Again, 96. First off, that anyone's ever done it before is crazy. The last one was in 96. I Kansas State, I don't. Props to them. Back-to-back conference wins. It's awesome. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry for Oklahoma. Oklahoma o- Oklahoma never wants to have to play Kansas State again. Football, basketball, any of it. They'd, they'd prefer just never to have to again. Before we get to our interviews, a little podcast business. Folks, have you made your first purchase at Homefield Apparel? Because if not, now is the time. Yeah, they've got Baylor and Iowa State. They've got more than 100 different schools with the most comfortable, the most awesome, well-researched. And I I know people are like, well-researched. What does that mean? It means they dug into schools' pasts to find the coolest vintage logos, vintage designs that they could for each school to put on their t-shirts. They're super comfortable t-shirts. They're super comfortable hoodies. They're super comfortable sweaters. This stuff is amazing. Yeah, they've got two Big 12 schools. They've also got UConn and Buffalo and Georgia Southern and Southern Indiana and Michigan State and Illinois State, and the three FCS teams that Andy, Jamie, and myself are following this season, North Dakota State, James Madison, and Delaware. And the Delaware stuff is awesome. In fact, all three of those schools' gear is awesome. If you haven't made your first purchase, it's time. Go pick some stuff out. Use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, get 20% off your first order. Right now, orders of $70 or more get free shipping. And I promise you, you're going to have a hard time not spending $70, even with 20% off. Because everything's super expensive, just because you're going to have a hard time buying one thing. Go to homefieldapparel.com, promo code 1012, 20% off your first order. Spend more than 70, get free shipping, and be rocking some amazing Slippery Rock, Belmont, Franklin College, UC Irvine, Colorado School of Mines, Illinois State, Purdue, Hampton, or Hawaii gear today. All right, Brandon Phoenix, Michelle Vopel, coming up. I think you guys are really going to like this episode. I am thrilled for it. It's a really good one. I'm going to just stop talking about it, and let's get to it. 
Philip Slavin of the 1012 Podcast here. If you've been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. It's been a while since we really focused on the Mountaineers. And it's my fault. You know, some you get all Iowa State focused on football season because they were having such a nice year and their fans are so reactionary. And I, and I feel like I've gotten into it on Twitter with some West Virginia fans lately. And look, don't take this the wrong way. I love West Virginia. You guys are like, I, that's no, that's mean. I was going to say like the Cousin Eddie of the Big 12, and I mean that with like, like respect, not like bad, because everyone loves Cousin Eddie <laughs> from Family Vacation. Like, I, honestly, like he's one of the most endearing characters in cinema history. So I love having West Virginia in this conference. So I am very excited to talk West Virginia today with uh, the fantastic guest, Brandon Phoenix, half of the Raspy Voice duo, uh, joining us to Raspy Voice Kids, I should say. It's a duo as well. Brandon, welcome back to the 1012, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I always like being here. It's always a pleasure. I want to talk a little West Virginia hoops because obviously it's hoop season. March is, is literally next week. March Madness is, I think, this comes out on Thursday. We're, we're less than three weeks away from March Madness, which is insane to me that it's almost here. And it feels like it should still be another like two months off. It's not. I'm excited. Uh, just as a West Virginia fan, man, and someone who covers the team, you know, like how, how excited are you for March Madness? Or does it, does it feel weird that we're already almost there? It definitely feels weird. Um, the season has gone super fast. And sorry, the season has gone super fast. And beyond that, I'm surprised that we got the games in that we got. Like, I really didn't think the season would go the way that it has. I thought we missed more games. I thought there'd be more pauses. And I didn't think we'd make it to this point. But we did. So it's really exciting. The other thing for West Virginia is that this is a team that is unlike many of the other teams in Bob Huggins' career, let alone in his recent history. So it's super exciting to be a Mountaineer fan right now. So let's talk about this team. I've been really impressed with the job that Huggins has done. Obviously, the, you know, the big thing for West Virginia coming into the season, one of the reasons that we were so excited for the Mountaineers, excited for their potential, was Oscar Sheetway. And then in New Year's comes around, he's stepped away from the program, he's entered the portal, he's off to Kentucky, say la vie. We don't care about him at this point. And I don't mean that in a bad way, I just... It's not, he's no longer part of the story. Okay. He was written off at the season one. We're in season three now. We're good to go. So this West Virginia team, you think that that is something, a player of uh, 
who we talked about that much, that we focused on that much, was as big a piece as it felt like for this team to lose it and for this team to still have the level of success that it has had so far this season is really impressive to me. What part of of the job that Huggins has done since Shibuya left has impressed you the most? To be honest, I'm most impressed with, with his ability to let his players play. There are lots of times where Huggins has a short leash on guys. They make a mistake, they come out the game. They don't play the right defense, they come out the game. Um, and he's allowed these guys to play. And offensively, that's been really uh, it's really been a big deal for us. Offensively, it's allowed people to get rhythms, to get to get hot. Sean McNeil, Ta- uh, Taz Sherman, Deuce McBride, even he's allowed those guys to play. And that seems very contrary to what Huggins typically does. Um, but he's let them play, and it's really been a boost for us, offensively especially. Yeah, the team since uh, – so I went back and looked at, at, you know, scoring average from when she was here and since you left. Scores uh, – the, the, the offense is up almost a little over five points a game. And I know that I've, I've seen quite a few Mountaineer fans on Twitter lament the offense. But when I go and I look and I look at this, the scores through the game, tell me, tell me where I'm missing – that you know, I know I know West Virginia is is known for defense, and it seems like they're still a good defensive team. Not the kind of defensive team we expect, but still good defensively. It, why do I see so many Mountaineer fans complain about West Virginia offensively? I don't know. I I don't see the complaints about the offense. To be honest, what I see is complaints about the defense and rebound. Um, but I don't know why people are complaining about offense. If they are because the offense is as good as it's been since 2014. I mean, it's about as good as it's been in a decade. Um, so really there shouldn't be any complaints at all. The biggest thing should be people worrying about the defense. Can we get stops when we need stops in a tournament situation? Um, can we make free throws? That's another thing that people will complain about. Can we make our free throws tonight? We did not do a very good job of that, but it didn't really matter against TCU. Um, getting to the line was good enough for us. So I, I don't really know where that's coming from. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It didn't make sense to me either. Yeah. Free throws, man. Look, as an Oklahoma state, state fan, is there anything more frustrating than, than missed free throws? Like I, I am, I cannot shoot a basketball to save my life. If you told me that the world was on the line, I would, I would hope everyone would, would kiss their butts goodbye. So little old me sitting here lamenting free throws, but it, it drives me crazy when, when guys can't, and I look, if you're a center, whatever, like I don't expect you to shoot, but when guards can't hit 70% of their free throws, it's, it's frustrating. I don't understand it. It's frustrating and surprising. I don't get it either. And I don't give a pass to centers all the time either because I come from the history of Pat Ewing and Rick Smith's guys and when I was young who could make free throws at seven feet and taller. So I just think it's a matter of being in the gym personally. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I know Bob Huggins worked with Derek Culver on his form and on his whole process at the line. But the bot. But the bottom line to me is that it's free. I mean, it's in the it's in the name. Free throws. They're free. You got to make them at the charity stripe. You got to. Absolutely. Okay. I almost hate asking this question because I think it's such a, a – I think it's a bad question, but I'm going to ask it in ways which is really like, well, then why would you do that? But I, I am curious. To me, West Virginia has a high ceiling heading into March and heading into the tournament. Now – it's unfair to judge how far we think a team can go until we know what the matchups are. And that's why I'm going to ask matchups in a second. But what do you, like, realistically, what is this team's 
ceiling? Like, where would you say, if I was going to fill out a blank bracket without owning the matchups, how far would I feel comfortable putting West Virginia on it? Comfortable? I'm comfortable with Sweet 16. If this team doesn't make the Sweet 16, then this season has been a failure, in my opinion. Without Sheebway, with Sheebway, wouldn't matter. Sweet 16, I think this team is good enough to make it there. They score enough. They have enough shot makers. Um, and they play defense just well enough that I feel like the Sweet 16 is not an unfair ceiling for them. Um, that said, I could see them going further. I could, that's not That wouldn't be a surprise to me. So obviously March Madness, making it as far as you can, it's all about matchups. You know, I've talked yes. about on the show, it's the, when you want to pick an upset in the first round, find the mid-major team, the senior team that's just loaded with seniors. But for West Virginia, what is the kind of team that would that would scare you? What are, what are the matchups that they want to try and avoid to have a successful run in March Madness? Size. We will struggle against size. We're an undersized team without Oscar Shibwe. Before we had two guys at six foot ten or taller, um, and now we have one guy at six foot ten, because I, with Isaiah Cottrell hurt, um, Taz or Sweet uh, uh, is not Sweet. I was calling Sweet Sweat. <laughs> He's not getting to play really, um, not a whole lot anyway. We just don't have the size. So if we play Michigan or even Gonzaga again, even though we play Gonzaga, um, we played Gonzaga very well, better than anybody else in the country did so far. I think the lack of size would really create a problem now. So Michigan and Gonzaga are matchups that I don't want to see. I'm very afraid of. Anybody with major size would be something that would be scary to me because of the way we're built. Um, That said, it's hard when you have guys like Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil who can just really get hot and score at at major clips like they can to say that we'd be out of any game in any situation. Um, But – Michigan and Gonzaga, those are my scary ones. Yeah, I think Michigan and Gonzaga are going to be scary for everyone, Brandon. I don't, I don't yeah. think that's just. I don't think anyone wants to have to face Michigan or Gonzaga. I think Michigan's closer to Gonzaga than they are pretty much, and Baylor than they are pretty much anyone else. They're that. I think they're that good. I, I do. I think Michigan's pretty dang good. Um. Okay. So and, and they're well coached. Yes. Oh my gosh, the job Jawan Howard has done. I, He's incredibly impressive, like incredibly impressive how good that team is. Um, I, hand, like I know that it'll, the like to me, he's coach of the year with the job he's done at Michigan and how, how good that team is. It's not like they're lacking in talent, um, but he's done a really good job there. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so let me let me ask this. Um, you know, they the Big 12, this is coming out on Thursday. We're recording this Tuesday night, but the Big 12 just put out uh, – as many of the makeup games as they could. Now, I understand a lot of West Virginia fans aren't happy with, with how some of the makeup schedule has gone. Uh, West Virginia now coming off of back-to-back road games, getting the win at Texas, now getting the win at TCU. Uh, there was supposed to be a game Thursday. That would have been tonight when this goes up. Uh, at Baylor, that game has been canceled so that West Virginia doesn't have to play three straight road games. Instead, West Virginia will now finish the season with four straight home games, Kansas State, Baylor, TCU, and Oklahoma State. I assume most West Virginia fans are pretty pleased with this development, um, getting to end the season 
you get a matchup with Baylor, which I think is is big and is important uh, for West Virginia to get to do. You want everyone to play everyone at least once if we're going to have all these makeup games. Uh, you got a nice couple of, game, I would say, gimmies with West, with Kansas State and TCU at home, and then you have a game against Oklahoma State, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Looking at this, how, how are you feeling about the, the makeup games and the way that the Big 12 has, has put these on the schedule for West Virginia? I feel like it couldn't turn out any better. It was almost perfect. Four home games to end the season. One's against Baylor, which we wanted. We're not afraid of that matchup. We want that matchup. I'm not saying that Baylor's not great, but we just want the challenge. If you're a competitor, that's what you want. And we as fans want to see it. Um, Bob Huggins has 890 wins now. And he's got four chances in the Coliseum to get number 900. So we're pretty ecstatic about it, to be honest. I'm very pumped. I think we have a good shot to finish up the season. Three and one. Um, maybe 4-0. Maybe 4-0. Um, it'll be great, man. Super excited. And I think the base in general is. Typically, we feel like the Big 12 is out to get us. I'm not one of those. I don't subscribe to that theory personally. People are like, well, we're the outsiders of the Big 12. Any chance they get to screw us, they will. I don't subscribe to that theory. I don't feel that way. I don't feel like that's what happens. But a lot of people do. And even those people who feel that way, typically, we're happy with how this turned out. Yeah, I, I don't feel that way either. And I, now I'm not around. I'm not in the fan base. I'm not around the program as much as West Virginia fans are. So my opinion on that is... Uh, maybe not as well-informed, but significantly less biased than West Virginia fans. I don't understand that. I, this is a thing that I didn't really understand, and now I'm hearing a lot of it on 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 Twitter, on our account, people telling me all about which is fine. Like, I love it. Let me know what you feel. Um, I love West Virginia. I think it's – I love having them in the Big 12. I understand geographically it doesn't make any sense. I know it's no. a weird relationship. And I know I've seen some people like, get us the whatever, and I'm like – Two, well, let's go to this. One, I don't mean this in a bad way, but the ACC makes the most sense and they don't want West Virginia. I don't think the SEC is going to come after West Virginia. I don't mean that as an insult because I'm very happy with West Virginia. I know it doesn't make geographical sense, but I like having West Virginia. It's fun. It is different. And it's, you know, with college sports, you like there to be a little bit of weird uniqueness to it. I like West Virginia in the Big 12. I like West Virginia in the Big 12 too. The money makes sense to me. Okay, so geography may not make sense, but the money does. And also, if you look at the timing of it, West Virginia would have been dead in the water if we didn't get into the conference, right? And the Big 12 mm-hmm. would have struggled as well if they didn't get West Virginia. So it worked out for both parties, and I personally am, ha- am happy with where we are. Would I prefer to be in the ACC or SEC? Then sure. Yeah, I definitely prefer that because I would go to a lot more away games if that was the case. But that's just me. Um, I think most people feel that way. But like you said, the ACC does not want us. They've made that clear. The SEC flirted with us. They took Missouri instead. So we are where we are. It is what it is. And that's where we, you know, that's that's the way the cookie crumbled. And you just have to accept what you what you have. Be glad you're in a Power 5 conference and keep cashing checks. Cashing checks and winning games. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. So I, I want to talk a little bit of football here with you. Obviously, we'll dive far, far deeper on West Virginia and every other Big 12 team once we get into the summertime when basketball is over. Um, but I do want to talk about football. You know, the Big 12 put their whole ske- put the conference schedules out. We know how everything works out for West Virginia. Um, first off, I love how West Virginia schedules on a conference to a game at Maryland and a game against Virginia Tech. That's 11 Power 5 games, assuming you you know still think Kansas is a Power 5 team. I'm sorry, Kansas. I love you guys, but let's be blunt. Um, also, LIU Sharks. I, I, why are more teams not? Can Ole Miss just become the Sharks? Like, they'd be better off that way. 
looking at the schedule, you know, Big 12's out to get get West Virginia. It looks pretty good to me. I'm curious from you, um, how do you feel about West Virginia's 2021 football schedule? Well, I'm like you. I like the out-of-conference for sure. I like playing Maryland. I love playing Virginia Tech. To me, Virginia Tech and Pitt should be played every single season. And my, that's my opinion. If, to me, if I was an AD, I would do whatever I could to make those things happen. I'm not, so I take what I can get. Black Diamond Trophy's up for, up for grabs again this year. I'm super ecstatic about that, okay? I like getting Oklahoma early in the season, not because I think that they're going to be down, because I don't think that at all. They're going to be up. <laughs> they're going to be way up. Yeah. Spencer Rattler's going to be on fire. I'm sure of that. People who talk bad about the kid don't didn't understand that he was just a kid, and every year he's just going to get better. So he's going to be much better, I'm sure, this year, another season in this system with, you know, under Lincoln Riley. But I like getting them early because I feel like we'll be excited for what we have. There's nothing else to taint the matchup. We'll be ready to play them, if that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we typically don't play them early. Usually it's a late season game for us. So it's nice to get them early. Um, uh, I'm, I'm happy with the way the season is laid out, personally. I, I think it gives us opportunities to make strides. I think we can win eight or nine games next year. Losing Dreshawn Miller is a big loss for us in the secondary. Um, mm-hmm. But we have young corners that are ready to step up. Bigger loss to me is Jamal Day, the the secondary coach and defensive uh, co-defensive coordinator. Losing that guy scares me because I'm not sure how that pairing works now. Well, Shadon Brown, he's coach. He's a new secondary coach and co-defensive coordinator with um, with Leslie. And I just don't know how – I don't know how that works. I don't know how it works. I wasn't sure how it was going to work last year. Turned out it worked out very well overall. Um, so, I, I don't know what to expect coming into this season besides, to me, eight or nine wins. Yeah, I think the, the more I look at West Virginia's schedule, I think they can go 3-0 in non-conference. Yeah. I expect a loss at Oklahoma. Even early, I think that can be competitive. I expect a loss. You get Texas Tech, you get to go to Baylor fairly early. I think that sets up well for West Virginia. I think that what will determine the success of the season is that four-game stretch after the idle week. Go to TCU, who I think is going to be good. Um, You get back-to-back home games against Iowa State and Oklahoma State, and then you get to go to Kansas State, which Manhattan Manhattan is kind of like Morgantown is a weird place to go. Part of it's the distance, and part of it's just – I think it's just one of those crazy weird places to go. And I think Manhattan's kind of a similar situation. Um, I – so I think that's a weird four-game stretch, and I think that's the four-game stretch that will determine, to me, just how successful West Virginia is this year, if it is an 8-9 win season or if it's another 7 win season for them. I totally agree. And the hard part is we struggle with the Oklahomas. We struggle with them every year. It doesn't matter where we are, where they are. We struggle with them every year, so we got to beat Oklahoma State this year. Oklahoma, I think, we're going to lose because we're just outgunned. And that's not me being pessimistic. It's me being realistic. It's just we're outgunned. Um, Iowa State the same way. Can't imagine beating Iowa State. I can't see it. Um, but Oklahoma State, Kansas State, uh, TCU, those are games that if we can win, it can make a huge difference for us. So the big thing for me with West Virginia, um, 
I know there's some losses to defense, as you mentioned, Coach. I still think West Virginia will be a solid defensive team. Um, my my issue with West Virginia, and to me, the thing that's really been holding them back at this point has been quarterback. Bingo. And I, and I think, aside from that four-game stretch, what's going to determine whether or not West Virginia stays kind of what they've been, or if they take that next step forward, is what quarterback play is like. I'm curious from you, what because I think that's the thing that holds them back. I really do. I think that's the thing that's really been holding Virginia back. Daigie is still there, uh, but you got some other guys as well. Does it feel like it's another year where Daigie's going to be the guy? Which no offense doesn't doesn't get me all that excited. Or do we think Garrett Green is going to be able to surpass him? Do you think somebody else on the roster is going to be able to surpass him? What What are your thoughts on the quarterback situation at West Virginia? If it's Garrett Green, we can win nine games. If it's Jared Dagey, it's seven or eight at best. Jared Dagey poses no threat in the read option. None. When they run that, when they run that read option um, or the RPO, there's no threat he's keeping the ball. And if he does keep the ball, you're not afraid he's going to break anything, right? So Jared Dagey doesn't scare anybody because he doesn't really provide you with any sort of options. And he's not, he's not, um, <laughs> he's not back there throwing darts like some of the quarterbacks you see out of Oklahoma. So, you know, where if he wasn't able to run, he's not going to scare you with his arm alone. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Garrett Green, on the other hand, provides you with options. Garrett Green makes the defense think. Garrett Green is the X factor, in my opinion. I watched him just a little bit. He's got that swagger that you like out of a quarterback. The kind of thing you hate if he's not on your team, but you love him if he's on yours, right? AKA every Oklahoma quarterback. Bingo. <laughs> and Garrett Green to me is that is that guy. Now a lot of people like Bruce Crowder, but I just don't see I don't see anybody beating Jared Dagey out except for Garrett Green. That said. Neil Brown's not the kind of coach who takes chances. He doesn't take risks, which is why you didn't see Garrett Green play very much last year at all, even when it seemed like there were options better than Jared Dagey. We'll see what happens this year. Garrett Green's going to have to be head and shoulders better than Jared Dagey to win the job. If it's even, then Jared Dagey's leaving. He's taking the position. Um, But that's because Neil Brown does not like taking chances. He's not a risk taker. And I understand that he's been successful in his career doing what he does. But if it's up to me, it would be Garrett Green. And if it's Garrett Green, then we can win We can win the, those eight or nine. I'm really hoping Garrett Green can show out in spring ball. Yeah. I, I, look, I'm, I, I love, love the Neil Brown hire. I love him at West Virginia. I think it's great. I think the potential is there. Um, but I think they're kind of stuck in – we know what they are as long as Daigie is the quarterback because we know what Daigie is. If there's any, any chance to – raise the potential of West Virginia quicker, it's going to be with a change at quarterback. Because we saw last year, really good defense. I love Letty Brown. I think he's fantastic. I think a lot of the pieces are there. It's just, can you get the quarterback play to to take West Virginia to another level? And I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens. Obviously, we'll see what happens with spring ball. And we'll talk a lot more football this summer. I'm, I'm really excited to do so. Brandon, man, I appreciate you joining the show with us today. Uh, let me just say, Raspy Voice Kids, tons of fun. Always enjoy listening to your show. I mean, you mentioned to me you've got something, some really exciting stuff coming up on the show here soon. 
Uh, so do a little plug. How can everybody find it? Why should they be excited? Uh, what, what you got cooking? we got some cool guests coming up. You want to check it out. we got a former player on deck. We've got a person who's not sports-related coming on the show this week. So you want to check that out. Um, Emily Calandrelli, TJ Simmons, those two are supposed to come on tomorrow. We'll, we'll do the recording tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. But we're super excited because they're both dynamic. They're both very successful. And they're both Mountaineers to the core. Uh, we also have Pop Culture, which we do every week, which has nothing to do with sports. This week, we're going to talk about that dude, that, prof- that professor at Columbia, who said you should be able to use heroin recreationally, even if you're a professional. So we're going to talk about that. Yeah, that face is exactly what <laughs> that's exactly the face I made. So it's going to be interesting. We're going to talk about that. You can find us anywhere at Raspy Voice Kids, everywhere on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we're everywhere, and it's all Raspy Voice Kids. Check us out. Find us. Also, if you get the chance, vote for us. We are nominated for the best of the Mid-Ohio Valley as far as podcasts are concerned. So go ahead and vote for us. Raspy Voice Kids. Check us out. You can find us, uh, like I said, raspyvoicekids.net, raspyvoicekids at gmail.com if you want to get at us, and Raspy Voice Kids, every social media platform. Yeah, at Raspy Voice Kids on Twitter. They got the link there pinned to the top so you can vote for them. Go check out the show. It's a great show. Uh, whether you are a big West Virginia fan or not, it's it's worth the listen. I promise. Take a chance. Give it a shot. Brandon, always appreciate it. Tell your brother that, uh, that we said hey, and we hope he can join us again next time. And, uh, and, man, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Hey, guys. Christine Butterfield here. And Madison Morris. And together we host the Winning Women podcast. This podcast is all about women's empowerment and creating a positive platform for females to tell their stories. Each week, we interview players, coaches, reporters, journalists, and much, much more. The conversations we have are unique to each guest, and they always have words of wisdom to share. Listen to the Winning Women podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, presented by the Highball Network. I'm joined by Michelle Vopel, who for women's basketball fans really needs no introduction, but for the rest of you, Michelle has covered women's basketball at ESPN for over two decades and is really the foremost reporter on the sport. So thanks so much for joining us. Oh, glad to do it. Thanks for having me. Now, you recently released an updated WNBA mock draft, and that's got Texas Charlie Collier and OSU's Natasha Mack as the first and fifth picks overall, respectively. So what makes these players such attractive pro prospects? You know, I think when uh, you have a chance to get a big player who, you know, has a lot of potential, which I think both Charlie and Natasha do, those are players that I think are really um, appealing in the WNBA draft. And it's not so much that the guards um, aren't, it's just guards are, you know, a little bit more prevalent. (laughs) There are more of them. And so I think when there's a chance to get a big who you think can be um, a a contributor and a contributor pretty quickly, uh, that makes, uh, that makes both Charlie and Natasha, I think, attractive picks. And I feel like as far as the Big 12 goes, we're so used to, you know, Baylor being far and away atop the standings and always having pretty significant pro prospects. And you've got a couple Baylor players in um, in your mock draft there with Dee Dee Richards, Dijanae Carrington. But um, what makes this Baylor team this year both different in that it's a kind of different makeup, doesn't exactly have that star, but the same in that they're still atop the Big 12 standings? 
Yeah, they, they are a little, the lady bears are a little bit different this year. I, I think that um, Melissa Smith has, has star quality. I really think she's um, an outstanding player, and I think she's a really good pro prospect. Um, one of the things that has hurt uh, Baylor a little bit is that one of their most marquee games was the game against UConn that got canceled. That's a game that people... Um, you know, you wish people paid attention to all the conferences all the time, but um, all those of us who are in the Big 12 know sometimes we get a little ignored in the Big 12, uh, except when there's more uh, high-profile, if you will, national games. And I think that game, oh, you know, helps uh, with Baylor. You wouldn't think Baylor would need it, right? They're a three-time national champion. You'd think people would be paying attention all the time, but I do think that... Um, you know, maybe maybe cost a little bit of, of attention that Baylor would normally get. But but also, like you said, this is a little bit more of a team that's, um, you know, that there's a lot of really good parts without them necessarily being one, you know, really prevalent superstar. So they still get it done, you know, season after season. And I think that, um, you know, the win that Iowa State had down there was, was obviously a re- really impressive win. It's just so hard to win down there. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. So they're a little bit different than maybe in some years past. And then in some ways they're the same in that they're just so um, – they're so athletic. They do what they do so well. And they're so confident. You know, I mean, when you've, when you've had that much success for so long uh, – that becomes almost a weapon in and of itself. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an intimidating team to play, uh, especially down there at Baylor. Um, So with the potential extra year of eligibility, you know, anyone who chooses to can come back, whether they're a senior or not. Uh, How does that change the draft landscape this year? Uh, It makes it as clear as mud. (laughs) That's what I've been telling people because, as you said, we have that aspect, and then we have the aspect, as we usually do, of which um, draft-eligible juniors might decide to to come out. This is perceived to be a weaker draft than next year will be. Next year um, is is a stronger-looking draft. So I think that may impact some people's decisions. You know, um, I'll be honest. You know, Charlie Collier looks like a pretty decent, you know, uh, bet for being number one and certainly for being a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. Next year, that may not be as much the case. Now, we could see next year she could come back and just have a phenomenal senior year, and maybe she's in the exact same position. But you wonder if that will impact her. And, of course, there's a lot less money we're talking about than if this were a, an, an NBA pick. With an NBA pick, if you were going to be number one, as a, you know, I, I think you, you'd go for sure, right? But with a WNBA, maybe uh, the, the money is, is, is obviously different. But it's a year of earning potential, you know, and that's not just in the WNBA. As you know well, it's, it's overseas, mm-hmm. too. So those are things that I think Charlie um, will, will have to think about, and she said she would think about that with her mom and with Coach Schaefer and, and then make the decision. So, you know, and even somebody like a Natasha Mack could come back if she wanted to. I don't sense that would be the case. I think, you know, she would probably be ready to move on. Um, then there are players who, you know, you look at like a Moon Urson. I don't know that Moon's going to get a chance to get drafted, even though I think she's had a phenomenal year this year. And it's been such a revelation. And, and she's a kid you root for because she kind of waited her turn. 
she might decide that her best, you know, best prospect is to come back, play another year, and you know, and and enjoy, you know, being a senior a second time at Baylor, and then maybe she'll play overseas. Who knows? Maybe she will get a chance um, in the WNBA. Um, so, so that'll be what's interesting to see is who makes those decisions and. And for some kids, it's going to be, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be depending on, hey, I want to stay here. I want to get a, a master's. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what my prospects really are. Other kids are ready to move on from school. So, you know, they'll be like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and leave. And if I don't get a chance in WNBA, you know, maybe I'll get a chance to play overseas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a big difference with the WNBA and the NBA. There's so many other considerations to be made because – you know, unfortunately, the WNBA isn't kind of that that instant uh, you're set for life that an NBA pick is. So it's a good point there. Um, with the Big 12 this year, I feel like they've seen kind of an unusual level of parity. There's been a lot of close games. There's been quite a few upsets in conference play. And the standings sit really differently from the preseason rankings. Obviously, one we talk about on the show a lot is you know, the Oklahoma State team so vastly overperforming um, what they were predicted before the season. Do you have any ideas of why you think that is? You know, it's, it's hard to not bring up COVID-19, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's impacted um, teams. It's impacted pretty much everybody, you know, both with having some, some teams have had players opt out. Mm-hmm. Some teams have had long um, COVID-19 breaks. They've had games canceled or rescheduled. Um, so I think that's just been this X factor for so many different teams. Um, a team like, you know, I'd look at a team like Kansas State, and I, I think mm-hmm. pretty clearly they've been impacted a lot by COVID. Um, Oklahoma definitely has. I mean, they, they've had times when they had as few as six players. And you can't even, and because obviously, I mean, you, you guys know this, you, you can't have your practice guys in. Um, if you have six players, then it's, it's those six players and Courtney Paris and Jackie Styles and right. Amanda Thompson, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that are, that are trying to run a, you know, run a practice. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you even run, have a full court practice, um, five on five? It's, it's really difficult. And we've seen that across the country, but I definitely think it's in, impacted the big 12. Um, but I also think there's, you know, there's a lot of good teams, and, and what's unfortunate, and, and but it's the reality is, you can be a pretty good team and, and not make the tournament. You know, I mean, it's just, you can be a good team in, in any of the Power Fives, and it's definitely true. You look at the last few days that a team like Kansas that had, you know, two, you know, losses that go down to the wire, mm-hmm. and... If you're if you're just looking at the final record, you're like, okay, that's their record. But if you're watching those games, you're saying, boy, they're not that far away. Yeah. Um, and you could say that about several teams. I think, um, you know, Iowa State's a team that's been has had some really big wins and then has run into, like you said, these you know these teams that are a lot better than people think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, like a team like Oklahoma. You know, I feel like Iowa State probably faced Oklahoma at the worst possible time, you know, and coming off that, that Bedlam loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all of those factors. It's that, it's that the, these teams have been impacted by COVID, but they're also these teams have more talent than, it, it, than people always realize just looking at their records. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. That's what I've said on, on broadcast a lot is that, you know, you can look at, 
the num the numerical record and that gives you just the tiniest fraction of an idea of what these teams are it's why i always say you know watch more women's basketball but uh i've got to get a homework question in so you know with all four of the freshman class at iowa state starting at different times this year and at least you know three of the four in every game what do you think of the potential of this isu team going forward i'm excited about it because i i really think at times this season we've seen the iowa state team that that coach fenley and his staff were sort of envisioning and again this is so hard for freshmen like Mm -hmm. i i try to imagine what it must be like like this is your first year your first experience with college basketball and it's and it's this freaky thing that we're going through you know it's like covid tests and masks and no fans and games getting canceled and games getting rescheduled and little preparation time they have no idea what college basketball is really like you know they have this this um this weird year of of, as a frame of reference and i think there's you know a lot of uh, a lot of credit goes to the kids this year i think and obviously to the coaches but to be able to navigate all that and um and, and still grow as a player and as a team, um, I think is it, 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 a lot of credit goes to them. It's it's an exciting team, you know. Iowa State is, and 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 like you said, there's a lot of youth on this team. We've seen them have some big games, and you and you gotta hope that maybe next year we're gonna get closer to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- there's been games I've watched. Um, and I know I know everybody's got to feel this way, but there's been some games where I like I think, gosh, you know, Hilton would be rocking mm-hmm. right now if this were a normal game. It would be so much fun, um, and they would love watching these kids in person. Um, I, you know, a huge crowd would love to be there in person, and then that how that impacts the kids. You know, a lot of coaches talk about that. Like, you do get energy from a big crowd and these kids haven't had that you know that that that, that real experience of what it's like when Hilton is like deafening mm-hmm. um you hope they get that opportunity because I think it's gonna I think they will I think they deserve it and I think they will respond to it absolutely and um just kind of a general last uh question you know we talked about how Hilton during a normal time is is so loud it's so full of fans um, and I think we've seen a growth in recent years of attention given to women's basketball um, and, and credit given there. But I think especially in, you know, even this past year with the huge push of the NBA supporting the WNBA, um, pushing this idea of, you know, supporting these women's athletics. What kind of growth have you seen recently and do you see going forward just for the sport of women's basketball? You know, I think that... I, I think that um, I always say Twitter is a double-edged sword because sometimes it drives me nuts, um, but other times I think it's great because it does, you know, give people an opportunity to have that community online, and and I think that so that's and, and ultimately it's been a good thing, um, and it allows programs and players to sort of build their brands online so that so there's that as well i think the um you know the nba players 
support of the WNBA is is a positive. You know, it, it, it always is. Uh, I, I think this past year with the WNBA being the bubble and there being so many games on TV and maybe less sports available at times and people were at home more, they got a chance to watch the league and how good it is. And I got to give a shout out to, you know, to Bridget <laughs> at, at, with, the, with the Minnesota Lynx. Yes. And what a big season she had. Yeah. You know, that was, uh, you know, she, they needed her. They were, they were, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those situations where you always want to tell young players, be ready, even if you don't think your number's going to get called, be ready, because when it is, it, that, it's now or never, right? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta respond, and, and she really did, and she, I think she had a terrific season, and that's great for her state. It's great to, to have a, a, you know, former Cyclone, um, have that kind of success, and obviously, um, with Ashley Jones, there's another player that you're looking at, I think, being a successful WNBA player. Um, uh, and, and I guess the other thing that I love about um, Iowa and uh, Iowa State, and I hope it's not bad to mention Iowa, but um, <laughs> but it's nice to see two Iowa kids right now being two of the best players in college basketball. Mm-hmm. And I know they're from different sides of the state, <laughs> and they kind of cross the state, yeah. so you've got the Iowa City kid and... Uh, and Ames and the the kid from uh, West Des Moines over in Iowa, but it's cool from a you know I know and I know there's that rivalry there, but it is really cool from an outsider standpoint mm-hmm. to see that because I think people really enjoy seeing you know local kids, if you will, stay home and and help their you know the programs in their state. So that's exciting to me too, is to to be watching you know those players. Um, uh, you know, both in the college game and hopefully going on to pro careers. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. You have had so much enlightening stuff to say. You put out, I think, by far the best women's basketball content that you can find in one place. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. We'll be really excited to follow along with uh, all the new content you put out, especially as we get closer to that WNBA draft, figure out. Um, who we might unfortunately be losing from the Big 12, but especially to see on that next stage. Um, And we will, uh, maybe we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, glad to do it. Thanks for having me. Podcast Network.